If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. I want to talk this morning a little bit about the word agreement. And what I want to discuss with you this morning is about agreeing with God, being in agreement with God, partnering with God. Before we get into that, I want to mention that at the first of the year, how many know the first of the year is less than two months away? Yeah, less than two months before 2014 is upon us. The first of the year, we're going to do a fast. We're going to pray and fast, the whole church. And uh, I know in years past, we've done the Daniel fast. Um, but I'm not calling the church, and I don't believe God is calling us specifically to the Daniel fast per se, but you can do the Daniel fast. But we will fast for 21 days starting on January 5th. And you might ask, well, why are you saying this now, knowing that Thanksgiving and Christmas is coming up? I really don't want to hear about fasting uh, at this time. Uh, but I want you to get your mind prepared for this fast because I believe it's going to be an important time in the history of our church and also an important time in the future of our church. Amen. We need to pray and fast. And so praying uh, and fasting is made easier, I believe, when we do it together. You know, it's kind of like working out. You know, Brother Keith, uh, you know, kind of had us working out. See, we made a mistake when we were over there in the Philippines. Brother Samelli and I, usually, when I was over there with him last time, we'd get up real early in the morning and kind of go for a walk, you know, and just walk and, uh, you know, that type of thing, just so we kind of get some exercise, get our heart pumping. And then this, this morning, we said we're going to get up and walk the stairs. Now, the place we stayed had about six floors and a basement. And we were staying in the basement, and so we walked all the way up to the sixth floor. So the first morning, Pastor Samelli and I just walked up to the sixth floor, and, you know, we were about dead by the time we got up, just walking up these stairs to the sixth floor. And so we opened up the windows up there on the sixth floor and, you know, leaned over and were kind of gasping and getting air and all that. Well, Brother Keith got a hold of us exercising, and uh, he said, you yeah, know, that's not exercising. You need to walk, the, you need to walk it three times. And so, uh, you know, we tried to hide it from him, but we couldn't hide it from him. So we ended up walking the stairs three times, you know, mornings after that. So, uh, but one of the things that we talked about, and Brother Keith was sharing with me, was that, you know, when you work out and do things like that, when you do it on your own, uh, you're, you have a tendency to just, uh, you're not being pressured, you know, so you can just stop anytime you want to. Nobody's looking, you know, you feel good because you walked a couple of flights of stairs. I did something. Nobody's watching me so I can easily quit and it wouldn't matter to anybody, you know. But when you're doing it together, when you're doing it with someone else and someone else is pushing you, you have a tendency to uh, fulfill what you started out to do. And I believe it's that way with prayer and fasting. You know, when God calls us to a fast, I believe we can accomplish what God wants us to if we would do it together. All of us come together, join hands, and do this thing together. When we do that, when we agree together, we can fulfill what God has called us to do. Now, this fast that I'm calling us to in the first of the year, <clears throat> number one, it's not an excuse to eat everything you want to in the holidays. You know, I know how the holidays come upon us, and now you're thinking, uh-oh, you know, he's calling the church to a fast, so I better eat two turkeys and one ham and, you know... No, still use some restraint during the holiday season. You know, you can eat a little more, but use some restraint. But I really believe that 
this fast uh, is not just a Daniel fast, but, you know, some people may uh, only eat one meal a day. Some people may fast all day until 4 p.m. Some people may do the Daniel fast as it is, uh, you know, as it is laid out to do, uh, and that's fine too. My wife and I were talking this morning, uh, and I was going to say that, you know, some people may fast TV, some people may fast whatever that thing is that you really love, uh, to fast it and give it up for 21 days. But we really believe that we need to fast food in some, in some form or fashion. Okay, now food is not a problem for everybody. That was my issue. You know, you have people uh, like Carrie Hoyam. I'll just call her out. You know, she, food is, is not an issue necessarily to her. She's in great shape, uh, you know. And so also my wife, um, you know, there are certain things food is not an issue to her. But I really believe there's something to it. Uh, you know, I know that Isaiah says a true, what a true fast is, but every time people fasted in the Bible, there's always food in one form or fashion, whether it was Daniel fast or whatever else. So I'm going to call us to, to think about it from now until the first of the year, pray about it, and let's fast food in some form or fashion. Maybe uh, it's sugar, you know, maybe you're a, a sweets person and you just fast all sweets for that, those 21 days. Uh, maybe it's fast food. Maybe you go to lunch, uh, you know, and you, you have a job where you go out to lunch every day and you do fast food, and maybe you could fast fast food. And so there's something uh, food-wise that we can fast, I believe everybody can do, no matter what your medical condition. I know there are certain restraints sometimes if you have certain conditions and you need to take medication and eat foods with it and that type of thing. God understands all of that. But from now until the first of the year, I'm asking you to pray about it and think about what can I fast food-wise so that I can agree with this church going forward. You see, fasting creates a spirit of faith in you. It creates a spirit of synergy, you, one with God, opens up your ears to hear from him. We can focus better together if we pray and fast together. Fasting also, uh, I don't want to say accelerates our praying, but it accentuates it. It, it magnifies, our, our magnifies our prayer life with God. And so when we're able to fast, when we're able to give up something, it will build your faith. It will build your stamina. Come on. The Bible has a lot to say about prayer and fasting. You know, fasting intensifies our prayer. It's a way of us saying to God that you, Lord, are so important to me that I want to focus on you for a time and, and I don't want anything to interfere with my focus on you. See, fasting doesn't do anything really for God because God knows your heart. God knows your struggles. He knows your character. He knows all of those things. But I'll tell you what it does do. It does something for you. It reveals some things about yourself to you that God already knows, doesn't it? And this way, we can see right where we are, and then we allow God and the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Listen, what better way to position yourself than to pray and to fast? What better way to do it? All of us have some issues in our life. Maybe it's, there's relationship issues. Maybe we have some issues in our marriage. Maybe there's issues... Uh, where we need some healing. There are ongoing issues there. Maybe we have some financial issues. 
Or maybe we're in debt and we feel like, Lord, if you would just bless me, uh, show me a way, Lord, to get out of this debt, I can bless the kingdom. Uh, how many know that, listen, being in debt and being financially strapped not only uh, hurts you, but it hurts others around you, especially if you're married. You know, it brings tension into a marriage and your relationship, trying to move forward in life. It's bad to be strapped financially, and God wants us to be debt-free, quite frankly, you know, because most of the time we get ourselves in those situations. There, Sister Nancy. God bless you, Nancy. Abigail loves you so much. <laughs> and, and so, um, you know, fasting helps us. Here's what it is. We have all of these situations that are in our life, and we focus on those things. I believe that this time that God is calling us to really will fulfill a couple of scriptures. One scripture is this. In the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. In the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. At his right hand there are pleasures evermore. We have all of these different situations, but here we need to hone it all in to his presence. That's where everything is. That's where healing is. That's where overcoming is. That's where all of these things, all of your answers to all of your questions are in his presence. And in Matthew 6.33, but seek ye first the what? Kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. So don't focus necessarily just on the healing. Don't focus just on the relationship problem or the debt or whatever it is that you need to believe God for. Let's focus on his presence because when you focus on his presence, all of these things shall be added unto you. Fasting is a way for the Holy Spirit to commune with your spirit without the hindrance of food and other things that will hinder us. You know, sometimes food can make us sluggish, certain foods. It, it can make your mind not as sharp. Come on. And we need to sometimes detoxify ourselves, period. You know, I just got a juicer, and so I'm going to try to start juicing a little bit. And, uh, you know, we need to do some things to kind of detoxify ourselves. You know, in order for you to have a good fast, saying something has to change in your life. We can't just talk about it. We can't just say, oh, it'd be nice to fast. Yeah, I need to fast one day. You know, I've said that for about a year now. I need to fast one day, you know. Uh, we're going through this transition, and I really, one day I need to fast. Well, that one day's been coming for about a year. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, it's one thing to talk about it, but it's another thing to tell the Lord, I am going to do it. So I'm calling the church to a 21-day time of focused concentration on God. Why? Because I believe that 2014 is a serious, it's going to be a serious year for us. Not only as Life Church, but as a church period. I believe it's a serious time for our nation. I believe it's a serious time for the world. I believe it's uh, a serious time for the church. I believe the church is in a serious place right now. All the mixed religions, all the things uh, you know, presented to people to believe, all of these things, I believe that it's a very serious time for us right now. I forgot I wanted to show off the barong. This is another thing that uh, Brother Keith, I stole hit the idea from him. He, he got a barong when we were there, and I said, hey, that looks good. I'm going to get one too. So uh, you know, I snuck in there and got one. And uh, <laughs> This is native to the Philippines. Amen. So praise God. Um, so I believe that if we focus, if we grab hands together, we can really do this. You know, all the laws, if you don't think it's a serious time for us, look at how all the laws are changing. I mean, everybody's talking about 
health care and, uh, you know, civil rights and diversity and all. We could sit here and talk about all these things for a long time, couldn't we? Uh, you know, with politics and all of these things. And it's not just in America. I, you know, this thing is all over the world. Uh, we were talking with Pastor Tavio, and we were talking about the Muslims down in his area. And, you know, that's a serious situation for Christians down there because it's not just a matter of, well, you can't have church. It's a matter of you might get shot and lose your life, you know, if you don't proclaim Allah. You know, if you say Jesus, you might lose your life. So this is a, a serious time. If you don't think it's a serious time for marriage, just look at the divorce rate. Look at the divorce rate even in the church and the problems that marriages are having in the church. And so it's a serious time for us. And so I believe that it's time for the church, come on, saints, to call on the name of the Lord, come on, in a very serious way. It's time for us to get serious. And I believe there's no better time than the first of the year, you know, right at, at the beginning of 2014. It's a new beginning. It's a new beginning for our church. It's a new beginning for us as a people. Come on. It's a new beginning in some of our lives for a lot of different things. It's a new beginning. And so in order for us to do that, we need what this fasting, what this time of prayer and fasting will do for us. It will bring us into alignment, saints, with God. In order for us to come into his presence where there is the fullness of joy, in order for us to be at his right hand, come on, where there are pleasures evermore, in order for us to be a disciple of Christ, in order for us to follow him, we have to be in agreement with him. You see, in order for me to work my job, in order for me to give my best at the company that I work for, whatever company that may be, you have to be in agreement with them. Otherwise, you're just going to work for a paycheck. You're just going so that I can get paid. I don't care whether the company is successful or not. I don't care about the vision of the company. I don't care about any of those things. But if I want to line up with the vision of this thing, I have to be in agreement with what they believe. So for us to line up, for us to truly be disciples, for us to be the head and not the tail, for us to be above and no longer beneath, for us to be kings and priests that God has called us to be, for us to walk in divine healing, for us to walk in uh, divine out of debtness. I know that's not a word, but, you know, in order for us to be overcomers, in order for us to be the kingdom people that God has called us to be, we have to agree with what God is saying. We have to agree with the one who created us. Come on. If we don't agree with it, then why do it? Come on, I've said this before. I, you know, listen, if, if all this is is a, a social club, I've got a lot better things to do on Sunday and Wednesday and, you know, with my life than to read the Bible and come and, you know, I could be part of any social club. Come on. But this is not a club. This, saints, is not something that we do. This is who we are. You are a Christian. You don't do Christianity. Come on now. And so we must agree with what God is saying. It is a powerful move to set our hearts to say, Lord, I am going to seek you. I am, I am setting it out there to do that with prayer and fasting as a congregation. Here's what agreement is. Agreement, agreement prayer is forming a partnership with God that employs the prayer of faith as we open new doors, shut old doors. Come on, some of us need to open some new doors. But some of us need to shut some old doors. Come on, some relationships, some habits. 
We need to leave some of those things behind and release supernatural power through powerful intercession. Agreeing is forming a partnership with God. It's employing the prayer of faith as we bind and loose those powerful prayers with intercession. Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. This is a great verse. I'll first read it out of the New King James Version, and I'll tell you a couple of other versions here. Bible says in Matthew 18, verse 19, Again, Jesus said, I say to you, that if just two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. He says, if just two of you, two of you would come together and agree on earth, anything you ask will be done by my Father in heaven. He will say amen. Here's a translation I found called the Weist translation. It says, again, assuredly, I'm saying to you, if two of you upon earth are in agreement concerning Every matter of which they ask that something be given, it shall become theirs. These are Jesus' words. Shall become theirs from the presence of my Father who is in heaven. Another translation says, when two of you get together on anything at all on earth and make a prayer of it, my Father in heaven goes into action because he sees that you agree. We remember in Genesis chapter 11, Now, this was something that was against God, but look how God reacted to it. Genesis chapter 11, you remember the Tower of Babel. When they all came together and agreed, they all spoke one language and said, listen, we'll build a tower that will go into the heavens, and we're going to get to God. We're going to see him face to face. And God took counsel with himself and said, boy, this people is in agreement. And if they stay in agreement. If they stay on the same path, they will surely accomplish. Now, how ridiculous is it for us to think that we can build a tower into heaven, especially knowing now what we know about space and all of this and, you know what I mean, in a different atmosphere up there. But God said, if they continue on this path, they will complete what they set out to do. Why? Because they're in agreement. He said, I must go down now and confound their language so they can't speak the same thing. Think about us as a people of God if a people that don't even love the Lord can come into agreement and accomplish something. What can we accomplish if we would come together, if we would just do this thing? Now, I know some people, I know in years past we've tried to do the Daniel fast, and for some they say, well, why do I need to do that? I don't really need to do that. I understand all of those things. I understand all of the excuses. I understand all of the reasons, you know, for not doing it. I really believe God is calling us to this thing this year, saints. And it's not about the fast. It's not about what you give up. It's about us coming in together in agreement, okay, and doing the same thing, agreeing with the scriptures, agreeing with God coming together. No one can stop just this congregation right here. The people that are in this room, if we would come together in agreement, the enemy would not be able to stop us. Not only what a glorious church would Life Church be, what a glorious church the universal church of Jesus Christ would be. If we would come together in agreement, do what he's asking us to do. And so this morning, I wanted, this is going to be a three-part series on agreement. We're going to talk about this week, next week, then we'll take a break, and we'll have a Thanksgiving message. How many know that's coming up? And then we'll finish up the first Sunday in December. So today, 
All I want to do is give you a few points on what I believe agreement is, why we're doing this, what agreement is, and how we're going to come together. Okay? There are a couple of words that I found that describe the agreement that I believe God is calling us to. One word is sympanio. You know, I love the Greek and the Hebrew. You know how we love all these type of things, these words. But here's what this word means. To be in agreement with, in unison, in one accord, to speak together with agreement, harmonious, and listen to this word, united, united together, to a decree, to agree and declare statements, to agree upon, all right? To champion with the same view or vision agreed upon. To regard something as settled. Now, I really like that one. That means that we come together, we agree on it, and it's settled. When something is settled in your heart, now you're going forward. You don't go forward with some, some tentativeness. Well, I just don't know. I know Sister Sharon said we should do this, and I kind of thought we should do this, but we'll go together, uh, you know, but we're kind of not settled. See, something can easily break you up then. Because if somebody says something, you say, yeah, I know, Sister Sharon did say that, but I never agreed with it from the first place. Come on, you've seen that before. Well, you know, I really didn't agree with it in the first place. Anything can break that cord. But to have that threefold cord that's not easily broken, you have to be in agreement together. Another word, stochio, means to be in line, to agree, one accord, to stand as one. That's what God said to those people who were building that tower. He said, this people is one. He didn't say these people are one. He said this, the original translation says this people is one. That's where we want to be. This people is one. It means to fall in line of the footprints of God. Nobody's out of step. I remember veterans, you remember being in the service, right? What happened if you fell out of line? At the very least, you get yelled at. You don't fall out of line. You stay in line with the footsteps right in front of you. That's the left, right, left, right thing. And for some, they said, you, we can even sing if that helps you stay in line. So we had to learn some songs and sing. Remember that, Eldon? Remember that, Al? We had to, you had to stay in step. We had to stay in lockstep. Stay in agreement. It means to hold true to. To stay in agreement with what has been spiritually attained. We have to agree with God. Now, let me just give you a side note on this. In order to agree with God, you have to know what God says. Come on, you know where I'm going with that, right? How can you agree with someone if you don't even know what they're saying? So the first thing we need to do is get into this word. We need to read our Bibles. I think that during this time of prayer and fasting, while you're fasting, while you're praying, don't forget to set some time aside to read the word so that you'll know what you're agreeing with. Don't just take... Uh, you know, some bald head guy who's preaching to you up on the pulpit's word for it. You get your own Bible and read what God is telling you to do. All right, then you can agree with it. Here's a definition of agreement. To be in agreement is to be in unity. Come on. Speaking and championing, championing the same vision. One vision. God's vision. It is to stand as one holding true to what has been agreed upon. You see, agreement is synergy. Synergy is working together. It's, it's like two things that come together to produce a greater, more effective result. 
When I was growing up, I was, in, I was in a band, and one of the things that the leader of this band that I was in used to always say is, he used to always say, the band comes first. The band is greater than your individual solo, you know, and so each of us could play our instruments. At that time, I played drums, and, you know, I could do little things. I had taken drum lessons, and I knew a few solos, and our bass, bass player was really good, and we had a guitar player. We even had a horn section. Now, this is back in the late 70s, early 80s, so bands don't have horn sections now, you know, it's just four boys, you know, kind of dancing. I don't know where the band is, but anyway, um, you know, we had a horn section. We had the whole thing. I know I had to throw that in there. How, Nia's not here, so I can't talk about her with her boy bands, but, uh, you know, we had that whole thing. But all of these instruments and all these people come together. You appreciate this, uh, Matthew and, and Mike. You appreciate this. All these, all these great musicians come together. If you just click off and everybody starts doing their solo, as great as all these musicians are, what will it sound like, Matthew? Sound like a bunch of mess, <laughs> won't it? Sound like a bunch of mess, and you have great musicians that are all playing together. But the thing is, you all have to have the same vision. You have to be in the same key, right? You have to read the same notes that are on the same page, going the same direction, playing the same tempo. There's a lot of things that are the same here, that greatness needs to come together for a greater vision. And so my friend J.R. used to say, listen, all of us know how to play and we can sing and we can do all these things, but the band comes first. And what he meant by that is, listen, uh, to produce a great sound for people to hear, we have to be on the same page. And for us to produce what God wants us to produce, we have to be on the same page as the people. It's what God called us to be. Listen, no man is an island. You've heard that phrase before, and it is so true with us. It can't be me and Jesus and no one else. It can't be that. It's, it's not his way. It is not his way. There are times when you go and get in your closet and you, you pray about things that no one else knows. I, listen, I don't want to get into this, but one of the things that I was talking to one of the, the folks over there in the Philippines and uh, she was kind of ashamed about some things that had happened in her life. And I told her, listen, don't ever be ashamed, especially now that you love the Lord and that he saved you and brought you to another place because you are a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I said, don't you ever be ashamed and don't in let anyone tell you that you're ashamed because anyone, if they would open their mouth wide enough, some skeleton bones will begin to fall out. Come on, all of us have some things that we don't want other people to know about. And I'm not, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that to say that, listen, when you're judging others, think about what Jesus said. Judge not that you be not judged. Why? Because in the same way you are judged, you will also be judged. And the same measure of judgment that you use, it will be measured back to you. Come on now. So if you don't want your door to be opened, watch how you open others' doors. Come on now. All right, little side note. That has nothing to do with this, but... Agreement. We're talking about agreement being synergy and working together. And agreement prayer is forming this partnership. And so all I want to do this morning, very briefly, is I want to give you seven agreement foundations. If you're taking notes, you can just jot these down and, or kind of keep these in your memory as we go forward. These are seven agreement foundations. Number one, we need to agree with Scripture. The Scriptures are to be agreed with. Why? Because they are God's word. God is true. His word is proven. It is inspired by God. And 2 Timothy 3.16 says what? All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable, you know the scripture, for doctrine, 
profitable for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. God's word is altogether true. I, w- I was yelling and screaming at one of the conferences talking about how Jesus had the audacity to say that I am the truth. I am the truth. He didn't say I am a truth. He said I am the truth. There is no other truth. You cannot say anything that's true and it didn't come from Jesus in some form or fashion. He, he, he's not, he doesn't speak truth, saints. He is the truth. That's who he is. And so Jesus, the Bible in Revelation says that when he comes back, he'll be on a white horse and on his thigh will be written, Word of God. He's the second person of the Godhead, the Logos. He is the Word, um, I believe in uh, John, chapter, uh, chapter 1 of, of John says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word, what? Was God. Then in verse 14 it says, And the Word was made flesh. Jesus is the very word of God. He is the word of God. And so when he says, I am the truth, that must mean that the word of God is the truth. The word of God is the truth. There is no other truth but the word of God. Now, I know that sounds a little closed-minded, but I want to tell you something. On that subject, I am a little closed-minded. I don't like being called closed-minded, but when it comes to certain things, especially about the Lord... I, I, can't, I can't help it. I'm, I just have to be a little closed-minded. When Jesus says, I am the truth, then I can't go with Buddha or Confucius or Muhammad or whoever else might say that they're, uh, you know, the son of God or whatever else. There is no other foundation other than the foundation of Jesus Christ and the apostles' doctrine. So we need to agree with Scripture. Isaiah 40, one of my favorite verses, I have a lot of them, like many of you, but Isaiah 40, verse 8 says, The grass withers... The flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. The word of God will never fail you. Saints, the scriptures are dependable. They are trustworthy. They have authority. They are the expression of God and God's will to you and me. They possess the supreme right to define what we are and who we are as believers and how we conduct ourselves. That's how much authority the scriptures have over our life. Scriptures are to be agreed with because they are God's word. They are true. Psalms 1830 says, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to those who trust in him. And so we need to agree. We don't only need to read his word, but we need to come to the place where we agree with his word. The Bible says in Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That means not don't just have a little bit of word in you. Let it dwell in you richly. Have a lot of God's word in you, teaching you and admonishing you. Then it goes on to say, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The word of God is our trust, folks. We agree with the word of God as the words of God come to us. Matthew 4, 4, but he answered and said, it is written... Man, you know this one. He told the devil this. Man shall not live by bread alone, but what? Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You can't even have faith without the word of God. Because Romans says, so then faith comes by hearing, but it doesn't stop there. Hearing by the word of God or the rhema of God. That's how our faith 
is increased. That's how we get it in the first place. And then 1 Thessalonians says, for this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. Why? Because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, Paul is saying to the Thessalonians, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is true, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe, who believe. It is so important to be in agreement with God's word, to, to believe it. Listen, every time that Jesus went to heal somebody, just about every time, he would reach down to them, ask them a question, what is it that you need? Maybe he said that, son of God, son of David, please heal me. Do you believe? Do you believe? Very often, I know, at least, at the very least, very often he asked that question. Do you believe that you can be healed? Why do you think Jesus asked this question? I mean, Jesus could have just healed them without saying that. He could have blown air on them. He could have spoken a word. Remember the, the, the great leader that came to him that was over thousands or over hundreds? And he said, my servant, and I understand authority and all of that. He just spoke, he said, just speak your word. And he'll, he could have just spoken a word over a lot of them. He could have spoken a word over everybody. He could have spoken one word, and that was it. Everybody would have been healed from then on. But he didn't. He said, do you believe? Why do you think he said that? Because he wants you to be in agreement with him. This thing will not work unless you're in agreement with God. You have to be in agreement with his word. Number two, you have to be in agreement with God's promises. Be in agreement with his promises. He is our great promiser who pledges to us to do certain things as declared in his word, giving us the right to expect. Now, here's an important phrase. The right to expect God to fulfill his promises. Do you realize that you have that right? Man fails man. And when I say man, I don't just don't mean males. I mean humans. We fail each other. It seems like we'd have the right to expect that if you tell me something, I should be able to believe that and not have to worry about whether you're going to fulfill it or not. But, I, and I said this a few weeks ago, Remember, we were talking about God being the great promiser. And our faith is not in just the words that he says, but the reason why you can be in agreement with his promises is because who is making the promise? You see, he's the one that has character. He's the one that has integrity. He's the one that his word has never come back to him void. Remember I said, now you can go to someone and who their character is a little shaky, and they can tell you something that just seems like that is just, that's going to happen. I mean, that's something I can absolutely believe. They can, you can look outside and see water coming down and they tell you that it's raining outside. And you say, well, I'm inclined to believe that. But you know what? You might look twice because of who they are. Because they've lied to you before. Because their character and their integrity is a little uh, subject to interpretation. It's a little suspect, and you know their history. And so for that reason, even though you saw it raining outside, you look again just to make sure because of who told you. But someone else that you, that you trust implicitly can tell you something that just doesn't seem right, and you're inclined to believe them. Why? Because of who they are. Well, I'm here to tell you that you can trust the promises of God. Why? Because of who He is. Not because just of what he's done but because of who he is numbers twenty three nineteen says god is not a man that he should lie 
nor the Son of Man, that he should repent. He has said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? He has made it good every single time. Not one time has God failed. That's a person, I don't know about you, but that's a person I can believe. God has promised and we are to be in agreement with his promises. What does that mean? That means that when God makes a promise, when you read a promise in his word, that doesn't mean, well, maybe he can do that. I think that God could probably do that. He did that for someone else, so it's probably highly likely that he might be able to do that for me. That's not what agreeing with the promise means. Agreeing with the promise means I know that God will do what he promised no matter what my eyes see, no matter what people say. You cannot move me off of this spot of believing God's word because of who he is. That's what agreeing with the promise means. It means not shrinking back, not doubting, not saying maybe, not having a scintilla of doubt in your mind. And should the enemy put doubt in your mind, it means to get rid of that doubt by the word right away. Come on, follow Jesus' example. When the enemy came to him and started telling him things, he spoke the word right back to him. And that's what we need to do. Number three, agreement with the Holy Spirit. Agreement with the Holy Spirit is what? It is to recognize the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. To recognize that God has a spirit that communes with us. It is powerful. It has, he has wisdom, power, strength. And it illuminates things in our life. I, I won't get too far into this. But there's a lot of times that the spirit of God will illuminate things in our life. And we may not be in agreement with that thing, so we choose not to really look at it. We choose not to believe something that's right in front of your face. Come on. We know this in the natural. Come on. When your girlfriend comes up to you and say, yeah, you know your boyfriend, he was talking to so-and-so. Oh, no, not him. Well, you know, he took so-and-so out on a date. I saw him at the steak and shake. Oh, no, you, you must be mistaken. It must be somebody else. Come on, things that are right in front of your face, you choose to not believe because you don't, you're not in agreement with that thing. Well, if you're in agreement with God's word and you're in agreement with his promises, you must be in agreement with his spirit when it illuminates things to you. God will do that. He will illuminate some things to you. Come on. The Holy Spirit has a way of pulling the cover back off of some things. Come on, and exposing some things. Now, I'm not saying that to, to make you afraid. I'm not saying that all the skeletons in your closet are going to fall out. But here's what I'm telling you, is that when you're walking a path with the Lord, and you're saying, God, I love you, and you proclaim to be a Christian, and there are some things in your life, relationships, some attitudes, some things that you're doing that you know are not in line with the Lord, and you, you realize that thing, and you don't change, you don't ask God to change you, at some point, that thing is coming off. It's coming off. And it's for your own good. 
Come on, so that God can build you up. He, he doesn't do those things to embarrass you and put you down. But he's saying the only way I can get you to the next level, the only way I can get you to full stature, the only way I can get this church to where I want it to be, I'm going to have to uncover some things. And by the way, it's not just individual. God's going to begin to uncover some things on the church too. I'm talking about life church. I'm talking about the universal church. Come on, judgment starts in the house of God. starts with us. It starts right here. In this place here, God will begin to reveal some things. And so we need to be in agreement. John 14, 16. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper, Jesus said, that he may abide with you forever. It's the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him. Come on, you know him. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, saints. You have to agree with the Holy Spirit in your life. He will bring, you, bring to your remembrance all things that I, Jesus said, that I said to you. He will bring to remembrance all these things. He goes on to say, but when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Agreement with the Holy Spirit is to listen and to believe the voice of the Holy Spirit, to believe the voice of that inner heart. The Holy Spirit quickens. It illuminates. Come on. It opens up scriptures to us. Because listen, you could read the Bible just as a history book. You can read the Bible and say, yeah, well, those, those things happen. But it really doesn't mean much to you other than history. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in and illuminates these scriptures to you. You've heard it before. I know many of you have done it where you read a scripture over and over again. And one day you read it and go, wow, I never, I never, have I read this scripture before? I never saw that in there. And that's the Holy Spirit illuminating that thing, giving you revelation, a deeper revelation. Because God is so unsearchable. There's so much in his scriptures. Gives us dreams and visions and he confirms our paths. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Acts 13 too, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them to do. The way our church can hear from God and know the direction that God wants us to go is to be in agreement, to listen to what the Spirit of God is telling us. We cannot be, uh, I, you know, I'm, listen, I am all for a word church, and that's what we are. We, we speak the word. I know we have all these phrases, you know, today that we, we talk about churches. What kind of church is that? Well, that's a word church. Well, what does that mean? Isn't every church a word church? Uh, I would think if it's not, then how can it be a church? Jesus being the word of God. And being the head of the church, there is no church without Jesus. By the way, there is no universal Unitarian church. It's an oxymoron. If there's no Jesus, it isn't church. You can't say church without Jesus. But anyway, not to get sidetracked, you know, if we're going to be the church that God calls us to be, it's, it's through the Holy Spirit. We can't just say, oh, we're going to just uh, speak the word and that's it and never have any move of the Spirit. We've got to. I know people are like it's a whoo spooky. It's not a spooky thing. It just means that you're worshiping God and the Spirit moves in our life. And in his presence, we are healed. We worship, whether it's during time of, 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 of music or whether it's during an altar call or whatever it is, we worship God when we come into this place and let the spirit of God move in this place. Number four is you have to be in agreement with your own heart. 
Now, here's the other thing. If the Spirit fills you, there's a lot of time. This, this goes right along with what I was talking about before with the Holy Spirit. If you're in agreement with the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is, is you have an infilling of the Spirit of God, then a lot of times there's things that your own heart will tell you that you choose not to listen to. Your own heart will tell you. Because David said, renew in me a clean heart and a right spirit. And when God saved you, when he changed you, when you became a new creature, you got a new heart. No longer do you have to quote David in that particular scripture. Give unto me a clean heart. He's already done it. You can say, thank you, Lord, for giving me that clean heart that David was asking for. He's given it to you. And now that you have that clean heart, now we need to be in agreement with what our heart says to us. Now, I'm not talking about the fleshly heart that Jeremiah 17, 9 talks about. I'm talking about the heart of hearts, the spirit, our own spirit, that new spirit that is created in you. And I wish I had time this morning to kind of talk about that a little bit, that scripture in Corinthians that I keep quoting that says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That means that there is some, something new in you that God has awakened that has never been offended or offended anyone else. It's never fallen into sin. It's never been molested. It's never done any of those things. And so, yes, people may call you schizophrenic because there's two people there. There's a spirit in you, and then there's this old flesh which is going to die off. It's going to go back to the dust because no flesh can see God. But this new creature, you're already an eternal creature. If you have given your life to the Lord... And his spirit has come in you. And he said, wake up. And he's awakened. He's breathed the breath of life in you. And, and he's created in you a clean heart. And he's created in you a new spirit. Then you right now sitting here today are an eternal creature trapped in this body. But a day will come and a time will come where you will shed this flesh. And your eternal creature says in the twinkling of an eye we will be like him. Come on, we will be changed. That means it will. That doesn't mean our spirit's going to change. That means this thing is going to change. And we'll have a body that's not made with hands, not mortal hands. Come on, somebody. We will be changed. And so that heart is in you. That's the heart I'm talking about. Genesis 17, 17. Then Abraham fell on his face and he laughed and he said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old and Sarah, and Sarah who is 90 years old, bear a child? But listen, God did it, didn't he? God did it even though they laughed. Genesis 24, 45. But before I had finished speaking in my heart, there was Rebecca coming out of her pitcher, coming out with a pitcher on her shoulder. And she went down to the well and drew water. And I said to her, please let me drink. This is when Jacob was counseling himself in his heart. David went into a corner behind a rock and he took counsel with himself and he encouraged himself from the heart. Many times you'll hear people talk about, uh, you know, I always give these sports analogies. I apologize, non-sports fans. But many times you'll hear uh, coaches or people talk about teams that had great heart. You know, teams that are not as good as the other team. You know, IU goes to play, and they're just not as good as that other team from Illinois. That other team has so much talent. They have a better quarterback, and they have better wide receivers. But our team had great heart. I remember when the New York Giants played against the New England Patriots. And this was a year, I know a lot of you are not, may not be sports fans, but this year the Patriots, uh, you know, the very demon uh, itself rose up. Okay, I apologize. Patriots are not demons, but 
just how I look at them. But uh, it, they, they were scoring 9 million points every game. And uh, they were just killing other teams and just beating other teams. They were 18-0 and 0 going into the Super Bowl, which is unheard of. You just don't go through a whole football season without losing a game because you get beat up in football. It's really not a contact sport. Football is a collision sport. If you watch those guys, they collide with each other, okay? And so you don't go through a whole season without at least losing one or two games. But they lost no games. And then here come the New York Giants, New York football giants. And they come in. They lost seven or eight games. They were beat up. You know, Eli Manning was barely, you know, out there walking because he had been beat up throughout the whole year. But the Giants pulled that game out. And do you want to know why? It's not because they were more talented than the Patriots. It's because they, had, they showed great heart in that game. They never gave up. They went the extra mile. They had guys making catches on top of their helmets. When you, that's not usually how you catch the ball, but the guy caught it on top of his helmet. They were getting away from when they were supposed to be tackled. They went an extra yard. They got an extra yard. They, they, they sacked Tom Brady so many times because of heart. It was heart. I heard another coach say, never underestimate the heart of a champion. You want to know why I believe Goliath was not a great champion? Because he didn't have great heart. He trusted in his physique. That's what he trusted in. I'm big. I'm huge. I'm nine foot tall. Send somebody over here. They sent a boy that had heart. And he said, I fight in the name of the Lord. I believe in God, the almighty God that created you. And he knocked him down. And when he threw that stone at Goliath, the Bible says that he went into his head and it says he fell forward. You want to know why? Because when you're in the presence of the Lord, you can only fall forward into his presence. He hit him and should have fell back, but he didn't. He fell forward into God's presence. And so heart, it's about having heart. Some of you have great heart. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the what? Desires of what? Your heart. Number five, agreement with prayer partners. This is important. Remember, we talked about this just earlier. If you're doing something by yourself, it's so easy just to give up and quit. If it was just you fasting and praying by yourself, it's so easy for days to go by and you not do it. You know, who are you accountable to? Nobody's really checking up on you. But if you get a prayer partner and you say, we're going to pray every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, or every Tuesday, and whatever it is you decide to do, say, we're going to call each other and we're going to pray on the phone or... We're going to meet at Starbucks and, you know, have a time of prayer. You do that thing. You keep each other accountable. Develop a prayer partner. A great agreement prayer is powerful when two or more people act and think in one accord. Come on. For whomever or whatever they are agreeing for, thus the more people in prayer agreement, the more significant the results. That is a true principle. That's why when something goes on in the church, Sister Sharon gets on the phone, starts calling people. Because we need to agree together in prayer. Need to agree together in prayer. Acts 1.4, these all, 1.14, these all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brother. There is a principle there. These all continued together in one accord. When did the church receive the Holy Spirit? When, when those disciples were in the upper room and they were on one accord. They were all on one accord. That's when the Holy Spirit was poured out. See, agreement prayer with prayer partners activates one of the greatest principles of power in the kingdom of God. 
It, it, it activates agreement when you come together. Prayer partners together can pull down strongholds. They can touch lives. They can change churches. They can engage in spiritual warfare together. Acts 12.5, Peter was therefore kept in prison. But con- constraint prayer was offered and constant prayer was offered. They constrained themselves to pray and they prayed constantly to God for him. And an angel came and visited him. Prayer partners can be friends or people who are drawn together to pray regularly for a pastor, a missionary, a Christian leader, a church, uh, illness, whatever it may be, a relationship. They can come together and pray for anything. Number six, agreement with God's greatness. We have to agree, come on, even right here today, we have to come together and agree that God is great. I love the phrase that, the, that God is not in the universe, but the universe is in God. Because it gives me a little bit of perspective about just how big God really is. And it gives me even more perspective on this big God loving little old me. And me with all of my idiosyncrasies and skeletons and, you know, failures and all of these things. He loves me so much to die on a bloody cross for you. And for I just wish that would just soak in for some of us at some point to what the God of the universe did, the creator of all things, not just all people, of all things. The creator of all things submitted himself to his own creation in order to win them back to himself, just to have a relationship with you. The God of the universe did this. God is great. Agreement with God's greatness is to see his unlimited power. God has the power to do anything, to create anything from nothing, and he's done it before. He has the power to sustain everything that he created. He only said one time, grass grow. And guess what? It's still growing. Come on. He is all powerful. He is omnipotent. Nothing is too difficult to accomplish. There is nothing that is beyond God's capability. He can do it. And here's what I also want to tell you this morning. Not only can he do it, but he's willing to do it for you. He's willing to do it. Lastly, agreement with specific requests. We can do this during our fast also. Agreement prayer necessitates a specific prayer target that is declared and prayed for with faith by the prayer, the one who is doing the praying. It is the faith to name specifically what you are requesting. There's times, saints, when we just need to name it. We just need to say. And that's, that's whether we want God to do something for us. That could be some uh, area we're falling short. We just need to say it. Lord, I have lust in my heart for this certain thing. Lord, I have, I have pride. I have, we just need to name it and say it. I'm not talking about expose yourself to everybody, but what I'm saying is before God, you need to just come clean. It's not that he doesn't know everything about you, but listen, you need to come clean before God. And then there are other areas of our life we need to just come together in agreement uh, for specific prayer. A couple of scriptures here. Ask and it will be given to you. Matthew 7, 7. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open. Ask, seek, knock. For everyone who asks receives, Jesus said, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks 
it will be open. How many agree with that this morning? Come on, we need to agree specifically together. Come on up, Dietrich. One more scripture. 1 Samuel 127, For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. God will answer your petition, and he will grant you the desires of your heart if we come together and agree on those things. Amen. Amen. What, what I'm hearing in my spirit um, as I'm sitting there listening is that we need to make a quality decision. Whenever you make a quality decision, then you see that thing to the end. So if you say um, the church is fasting, eh, okay, and you don't come into it with a heartfelt determination, a quality decision to be a part of the group and to go along with the decision of the pastor, then you can hinder the progress of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. Remember last week we said the four friends came together and they didn't say, mm, can we do this? They didn't say, this is too hard. They said, how can we do this? Not will we do it. They said, how will we get it done? So thank God for pastor because he's giving us about seven or eight weeks to think about how we will get this done through the Holy Spirit. All right. All of us are here today for a reason. This is the core, basically the core of the life church. Okay. So let's think about how we will get this done, this prayer and this fasting. And this last point, he says, uh, pray specifically. So when it comes to the time of prayer in January, we will have specific requests that we are asking of God because we can't walk in fear that oh, maybe he will, maybe he won't. Right. You never know what God's going to do. You just never know. Well, that's not true because the word says that he has revealed the spirit to us. The, the Holy Spirit has revealed his will unto us, right? So he gives us, he gives us the desires of our heart. So if he has given us the desire of our heart, then he wants it to come to pass. Amen? So we're going to make a quality decision that we will fast and pray and we will agree with the body of Christ upon specific things for which to pray. And we will see them come to pass. Amen. 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 Hallelujah.